Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Welcome to Thrive Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Jared Bull. He's a transformation coach and executive coach who empowers executives to run their companies at peak performance, to lead and manage their employees, to increase employee retention, build healthy company culture, and increase the bottom line. Welcome to the show, Jared. Hey, Amy. Thanks for being here. I'm excited for the opportunity and to get to meet your community. Yeah. So you've reached an incredible level of success in your coaching business. Can you share some of your story with us and how you got to where you are today? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's funny. I never really anticipated actually being here. And I think that's somehow like, that's somehow just life works that way. We never really, we, we can have an idea of where we're going and then life takes its own way. So I actually went in the Marine Corps when I was 17 years old. I enlisted really young. I had that, you know, bravado and okay, I got to be Billy, uh, you know, Billy badass and be a machine gunner and be in the Marine Corps. And I had to play out that man complex. So I joined the Marine Corps when I was 17 years old, found myself in Afghanistan with a machine gun when I was 18 years old and witnessed a lot of heavy combat. And we had like about a 50% casualty rate which was super um, where the area that we we're in, no modern forces had ever been in before. When we went in, that they actually thought we were Russians from the Russian war back from 79 to 89. I, I, I went to combat at a very young age, experienced a lot of life and death experiences, had to learn a lot about leadership at a very young age. And that was really the start of, I think, my, my leadership journey was being in combat. In combat, you're being tested on all areas. There's a lot of fear. Your life is being threatened. You know, people are getting, you know, we had, we were losing squad leaders. We were losing team leaders. So I got, you know, promoted up the ranks in different billets. And, and that was the first time where I realized, well, one, leadership is really important. And then two, how do you build a great team and a great culture when everything is falling apart or seems like it's falling apart? That was really the start of it. Yeah. Wow. So walking through through that, what are you grateful for? And I'm curious too, as far as like everything that's been going on right now with Afghanistan, what are, how's that affected you? Yeah. Um, so actually the Afghanistan thing, I haven't really had too much emotional experience around it because I feel like I moved through it. Um, mm-hmm. There's this word in, in the yogic tradition, it's called uh, Vagriya. And Vagriya is detached passionate action and what detached passionate action is it's pouring your heart and soul into something but recognizing that that doesn't guarantee the outcome that you want i think a lot of us as human beings we've been taught i need to pour my heart and my soul into something and i need to get the result that i want and the more i pour my heart and my soul into something that's what is going to get me the result that i want I will say that if you pour your heart and soul into something, you'll have a much higher chance of controlling the outcome of the situation and getting what you want, but it doesn't always guarantee it. And the word Vagriya, I spent, after my military experience, I spent some time in India. I lived with yogis for six months in the Velangrani Mountains at 13,000 feet. And that was a really cool experience. Um, I learned from them that you can take passionate action but when you take passionate action from a detached state you can create more in the world and it doesn't take so much from you emotionally and i think as a leader that's really important because as leaders we have a lot 
that are that we have to maintain. We have a lot that's in our responsibility. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves as leaders. But if we can take, you know, passionate, detached act without the focus of I need to have this result and just take action and passionate action for the sake and the joy of taking passionate action, that's a really great space to come from. You don't burn out as much. Uh, I see a lot of leaders who burn out. I used to burn out on a daily um, and that was just I thought was normal. When we take action from that inner state, passionate, detached action, we create a lot more and we don't get so much emotional um, exhaustion in the process. Coming from a detached perspective, does that mean that uh, you're detaching yourself from the outcome or and you're giving yourself credit for your effort. Um, can you define that a little bit? Sure. It's it's taking the action, knowing that whatever action you take, if your heart and soul is in it, you're going to learn from it. And there's a lot of wisdom in learning from it. And with that new knowledge that you get from the learning experience, you now can apply that new knowledge to the situation. And most of life, you can ask for a restart. Like, like people, people are pretty forgiving. I think a lot of times we don't think people are forgiving, but like you can ask for restarts in life and in situations a lot more. If you're humble, if you're humble and you like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like with, you know, maybe with a relationship, like, Hey, I, I shouldn't have said this thing. It came from a bad space. I really apologize. I'm humble on myself. Can we take a restart on that conversation? You can even do this with clients. I've done this with clients where I, I, you know, I made a proposal or something like this, and it was a big proposal, and I was nervous about it. It was a big contract, and um, you know, they said that they didn't like a couple things, or how, you know, we love this and this and this, but you didn't like this. I've had in those conversations. I was like, I totally understand. You know, I think I missed point A, B, and C. Can we take like a restart on that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. People kind of look at me like wide-eyed and shocked. You know, like, oh, but a first impression is a. It's your bad first impression is a last impression. It's like, ah, life has shown me differently. So it's really just allowing room for grace in life and um, giving grace to yourself, pouring your heart and soul into everything that you do, but recognizing that you can always take restarts and you can always have a conversation again. Um, most, if you humble yourself and you're gracious in that way, most people, I've seen most human beings you can reciprocate that graciousness as well. Yeah, I've heard if you're really like, let's say it's clients, if you're really, really upset, if you lose a client or it could be even a relationship or whatever it is, you're depending too much on that one thing for your outcome or whatever it is you're, you're, you know, so if it's a relationship, you're depending too much, you can depend too much on one person to somehow fill you up or instead of yourself, or you can depend on a small group of clients to get you your business to where you want to go rather than expanding that. So like the more relationships you have, the more variety of people you have in your life, the more filled you are. And I think that's... Yeah, absolutely. Like life is pretty forgiving. Like the, we, we've grown up in like the Charles Hart survival of the fittest. And it's like, that's a pretty scary way to look at it. Another way we could look at it is um, like, there's no shortage of money on the planet. There's no shortage of people on the planet. There's no shortage of need on the planet. Like there's plenty to go around. And if everyone was existing in that state of consciousness and everyone is, was coming from that space, we'd have a pretty 
like everything would pretty much be taken care of. But I think some of the times we just forget that. So we put a lot, human beings have this tendency to put all on one situation or all on one caller. It was so funny. I met the uh, CEO of Halliburton the other day, just randomly. I was like, okay, you know what? I want to go meet some new people in Denver. I live about five minutes west of Denver and Westman. Um, I was like, I'm going to stop in at the Hyatt and see what's going on at the Hyatt. So I just stopped in the Hyatt, didn't even know that there was like an oil and gas conference going on. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I'll probably meet some cool people, potential clients, things like this. I'm just going to see what comes up. Um, saw this guy sitting in the corner. It's like, I'm going to go talk to him. He seems like an interesting character. Started talking to him. We started, it turned out he was a veteran, um, you know, and he went, went overseas and stuff like this. And, and he was an older gentleman and we started, and it was a really great conversation. And then 20 minutes into it, he looked at me and says, do you know who I am? like i know I, I i don't he said I'm, my name's john pishka and, and i'm the ceo of halliburton and i was like holy cow i'm talking to the ceo of halliburton uh and and nothing changed i was just like that's really cool <laughs> you know the point that i'm making is is like there's always opportunity as long as we're it's like how willing are you to be out there in the world connecting you know doing just just being in the world like there's there's enough to go around but we get caught up in these scarcity mindsets that has nothing really to do with us uh like like there's you look at nature we're a part of nature you, you plant a you plant a seed into the ground you water that seed a tree grows the tree bears fruit you can chop down the tree to sell it for firewood you can make furniture out of it you can sell the fruit you can keep the tree there so I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves in a particular situation because we think our safety and our security rides on the outcome of that one particular situation. Yeah. But life gives you, inf life has shown me that it really does for most situations with the exception of, of combat, uh, life is pretty forgiving and gracious and it gives you more opportunities. It's just, are you willing to give yourself the grace to get back out there when you miss an opportunity or something like yeah. that? Yeah, I think that's key because if, if you experience failure, sometimes it's difficult to get over that mindset. Oh, I failed. I can't, you know, mm -hmm. can't do it now. And uh, failure is a part of it. It's been a part of it for me. I fail a lot more than I succeed, but you only need to succeed one out of 10 times. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, very true. And I, I can testify to that too. I think that I've definitely experienced more failure than success. I mean, so many false starts. But yeah. Uh, yeah, but it, like you said, it just takes one successful, you know, step and you've got it. So you focus both on executive coaching and you also help other coaches succeed. Um, so what's your intention, uh, your business in these areas? Really, it's twofold. Executive coaching looks at relationships and tasks because every business just comes down to managing relationships and tasks 50-50 down the line. If you manage your relationships really effectively, that's great. But if you're not doing what you say you're going to do, that hurts trust. And so you got to manage tasks at will. Executive coaching, I do that work within companies. So like, I'll go in there, we'll do an assessment. What's their culture like? What's the, all of the rumors that are going on that are affecting the management? Where's the C-suite, you know, separate from the enterprise level employees? So that's more of what I do on the executive coaching side of things. But coaches train coaches on how to build up successful businesses online and offline because I've had success with that. So teaching them the principles, teaching them the ins and the outs, not only working through the mindset and the transformation, but also the skill set. One of the big things that I've seen in the personal development industry is they focus so much on like 
you got to have the right mindset and yes you do inner work is so important but also skill set is just as right you can have done all the right inner work but if you don't have the right skill sets then that's not it like it's not gonna move forward at the same time you can have all the right skill sets but if you don't have the right mindset it's not going to go forward either so for me when i train the coaches and i've ran up to 13 group programs at this point with up to 55 people we really just train in, in, in the skill set and build an energy around them that gets excited about creating success, financial success. We celebrate financial success. Um, you know, we have no shame or guilt around that. I believe that every human being, it's their birthright to be you know, financially successful. As long as you have value that you're contributing to the world. And, and those are usually pretty closely related. The more value you're bringing to the world and the um, skill sets that you that you have and you're using those skill sets and you're implementing those skill sets out there you're, you're creating some money for yourself as well in the process it's money for me has always been a symbolic representation of gratitude and search uh, value are you creating out there in the marketplace and people's lives how much are you serving people and then do you have a you know the courage and the willingness to ask for the value that you bring to someone's life. Yeah. You know, the, that last part that you said, so many deal with that. It's the pricing it's, you know, to be paid. How many, how many coaches start uh, doing what they do because everyone comes to them for advice. Right. Oh, that's how I got into it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't know how to draw boundaries. <laughs> yeah. So Everyone just came to me for advice and I was like, okay. Uh, yeah, and then I, I think the first person I charged it was like sixty dollars an hour, um, and then after that, like, you, like the first two and a half years of I think starting up a business can be exhausting because you're working through all that stuff. You're working through, am I worthy of this, and can I? And eventually, you get to a point where like the worthiness becomes irrelevant, and it's really about the willingness. Am I willing to show up in this way? Am I willing to figure out the challenges and the issues and support these people? Am I willing to ask for this price point? I mean, of course, the last, I brought on one new client for a $25,000 six month contract. And that was a one-on-one -on -one contract. And I never asked for that much of a price point before for a one-on-one -on -one contract. And that was pretty scary for me uh, at first. But then I was like, well, wait a second. Like, does, do I see the value of this for the person? have they said it was worth that price point? And like, what is it that this person needs to evolve and grow in their business and their work? And then I made the offer and, and they were like, yeah, sure. And I was like, oh, okay. It really can be that easy. We get so, something about the mind gets so weird around money and like, oh, I don't want to come across a salesy or I'm, always, but it's like, how can you be in a conversation with another human being where you see value and either they see the value for it or they don't and if they do and they're willing to pay for it they pay for it and if they don't they don't now obviously in the beginning of your career if you don't have that much money it might be a little bit scary because you're like oh, you know money is oxygen at that point but it's every human being's natural growth and development to be successful and proficient in some skill set and to get paid doing what they love like that is i think our baseline it's just we don't always trust that that's where we're headed and and i think that's why it's important to have you know a good community around you a good coach who can help you see where you are in your own development as a human being like oh you're just learning business development like that's normal oh you're just learning you know re relational development oh you're just learning leadership development i think most most of us get pretty scared when we're 
trying to learn something that we've never learned before and we doubt whether we can do it or not. But once we realize that that's our normal trajectory and that's where we're headed anyway, it's pretty, it's pretty easy. Yeah. So what's transformation and why is it important? Great question. So this is my favorite part. And this is whenever I start a class or training, this is the first thing that I start off with. Right now, politically, at the political level, at the cultural level, at the familial level, at the social level, at all those levels, there's more change that's been occurring within the last 30 years than there has been in the last 30,000 years of this planet. So like, I think we've really got to take stock for where we are as a species. We, in, we invented international travel within like the last 50 years. So suddenly you can travel anywhere in the world within 24 hours. You can be exposed to an entirely different culture that you've never been exposed to, whole new ways of being, whole new ways of language. And if you can't afford travel, well, you can probably afford a smartphone and the internet. Most of the internet is free. So you can be exposed to those cultures and that information anywhere in the world and that only came around like the internet's only 30 years old roughly not even uh yeah like we had dot-com era in 90s so we have access to any bit of information which was never possible for on top of that smartphones are cheap and anyone with some little bit of money can have a smartphone and access information even in third world countries so really take stock of like how much shifting like the Gutenberg press in the 15th century, that was huge. Like that was huge. And only a church could afford to have a book. And then suddenly Gutenberg came around and made books possible for the wealthy, but that empowered, empowered them and their thinking. So if you look at it, like the power structures around the world, everything is just being leveled out. And it's reflecting in our currency system. Like, you know, with cryptocurrency, you have people who are making a lot of money with little to no money at all very quickly. And if they master the craft of trading in that market, like they can do really well. I, I had one client, he literally, uh, during the Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin thing, and I think that they went in 2017 or 2018, they went and he became a millionaire overnight with that. And he actually learned, he maintained that wealth because he learned the skill set, and then he created a business out of it. So we have to see the context, uh, the bigger context. We're in a time of transformation on the planet, bigger now than ever before at every level. Family systems are changing. Cultural systems are changing. People are experiencing whole new cultures. Um, so there's this shifting that's occurring at every single level. And it's kind of leveled the playing field. I, I, Gen Xers and baby boomers who are at the C-suite level, and they have no idea what's going on. They're like, I don't understand the younger generation. They don't have the same values as us. That's a whole nother topic, helping companies manage millennials. And uh, you know, the, the next generation I think is Gen Z. Um, and, and, and so there's this total flattening out of all the structures. And, it, and then this is reflected in what happened at, I think, you know, in Washington, uh, in the United States where people like stormed the building. That hasn't, I don't think that's ever occurred or at least the last time it occurred, I think it was during the civil war. So we have to understand that transformational work. Like I don't look at, co most people think of coaching as just, you get hyped up and you get excited and you build a person's inner mindset. I look at coaching very di differently. Coaching is yes, doing the inner work. Yes, helping equip people with the right skill sets, but also orienting people within the craziness and the chaos 
that's happening in the world right now. As a species, we are developing at a rapid, rapid rate. We need fluidic identities. We need to be able to understand ourselves in the bigger picture politically, culturally, socially, familially. There's all these crazy shifts that are happening right now. So I'm seeing that there's a new need for coaches to like do away with the old way of doing things, which is like rah, 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 pump you up, condition you to be your highest performing self, which is, that's great. That's a part of it. But just orienting human beings in their human experience and helping them understand why they are the way they are, what's going on in their world, how to have a deeper sense of safety and control of, of their life and understand what's happening. Because just understanding what's going on around you is so important to feeling safe and secure. And we perform so much better when we feel safe and secure. So transformational coaching for me is it's a way of helping human beings to understand their, their experience, to fully own their human experience, to orient themselves within the human experience and feel safe and secure in their human experience. I think that that's, I agree with that, with the, the safety and security, because, you know, even going right out to social media right now, because of everything that's happening, those that don't feel safe and secure or can't find, you know, go right into one of the trauma response. You know, they're either moving across the country fleeing or they're out there like we're going to fight or they're, you know, I'm going into the video games for the (laughs) five years. See you later, you know? So it's it's really interesting to see how people uh, are, you know, reacting and, and dealing with everything. And in fact, I heard, a group of people it was a video that was going viral on saying, um, Oh, I feel like nothing in life matters anymore and it won't matter in the future. And so I'm not doing anything And all these people uh, were identifying with that of nothing matters and I'm not doing anything. And, you know, it, it's to what you were saying is they haven't found because everything's changing so much. Yeah. It's finding their path and where, where do they fit in all of it? Absolutely. Yeah. Fulfillment and meaning is so key. And I think just as the last most successful companies like Facebook, Instagram focused on giving human beings expression, and that was why they, I think the next generation of really successful startups will focus on how do you bring fulfillment and meaning to people's lives, not just be an automaton or a robot stuck in a box and chewing, you know, whatever. Like we, we need fulfillment. We need meaning. It's a part of us. Um, I think Victor Frankl, I remember I read man's search for meaning and I think it should be called humankind search for meaning, but um, you know, that was, I think it was written back in the sixties or fifties, but you know, that book shows the logotherapy. Um, you know, those who have a why to live for um, can endure almost any how or any what, what's happening. How do we do it? And that's, that's been really true in my own experience. I mean, even just surviving in Afghanistan and we had a 50% casualty rate, seeing people die all around me on a daily basis. It was like, I had to ask myself, what's, what's the bigger, what's the bigger, bigger purpose that I can serve the world coming out of this experience. And just, just having that answer to that got me through the experience. And you know, there's times where I stepped on IEDs and they don't, they didn't go off. And there's times where, you know, people got shot right next to me. And I'm not saying that it was meant to, I think there's definitely a part of luck plays out in life as well. Yeah. Um, but having a fulfillment, 
having having a purpose and choosing your purpose and choosing how you're going to affect change in the world like that's who we are that's our natural state i always get really motivated i have bees in my garden and the bees will go from flower to flower and if you look at it they work from sun up to sundown they have very little concept of self and they just go from flower to flower seeing where that they can give and take and be in reciprocal relationship with life and i think if every human being had that level of spirit uh, they would see that they can serve the world they can have a deep sense of fulfillment and meaning and they can create wealth doing what they love and that's our natural state that's who we are that's literally our natural state it's just we forget about our natural state because we get caught up in whatever we're putting into our mind whether it's negative news or things like this like during covid when all that negativity was happening i was going door to door to local people in my neighborhood during covid to fill up a breathwork webinar because i knew everyone was stressed and out of the 1500 houses i visited only three people three people didn't like me the other 1400 997 people were really thankful that i was there and that i was doing a, an event online to bring people together and three of them ended up becoming long-term clients <laughs> so it's like it's you know, this is that's our nature that's who we are we just, we get caught up in our thinking mind yeah i i absolutely if you can keep yourself in your heart and out of your and your and and make decisions from that place make decisions in your heart and not out of your your brain because you know your brain is that's where the anxiety happens that's where you're thinking about the past that's where you know all kinds of thoughts that are flowing in and out you know of your mind that everyone else is thinking that you know that's the the battlefield right so if you didn't just go into your heart and stay there and make those decisions it's true that making decisions from that place is what uh not only gets you to your goals keep uh faithful to yourself and to your own convictions and keeps you in alignment but like it naturally produces results yeah 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 i love that and i think having a strategy to stay in your heart space is probably one of the best strategies you can come up with it's better than a business plan yeah because your heart is connected to what the world needs yeah what life needs and if you're connected to what life needs and you're not afraid to speak up for a price point around that you're, you're always going to be fine and taken care of yeah definitely so let's talk about mindfulness. What have you learned about mindfulness and as it relates to happiness? Ooh, I love that. So I'm going to switch this up on its head. I think mindfulness is actually a natural state. Like some, like I remember when I first learned about mindfulness and meditation and I've had training like in MCBT um, and, and all the, you know, um, I think John Kabat-Zinn and, you know, I'm not sure if you've read any of his work. He talks about mindfulness and he studied mindfulness in the lab for over two decades. Um, I think that's our natural state. I think meditation, a state of very little thought and a state of openness to possibility, I think that's actually our natural state. So for me, I used to work to get into it. Oh, I have to meditate. Um, you know, like, um, I have to you know, go to my sacred space. Um, you know, now it's just become a part of my life. Now, when I leave that space, that's when I meditate. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, I can tell I'm leaving the space and I'm going into a lot of thinking and I'm going into cycling thoughts. Like I can tell when I leave that space. So I think being mindful, being meditative is actually our baseline state. It's just that 
we've gotten so far removed from that for whatever reason that then we just cycle and we start to spin out or twirl around and, and all that other stuff. And I think having a powerful, safe community, having great mentors, people in your life who can help you bring you back to that state until you trust yourself to live from that state, that's really, that's really valuable. And one of the last mentors I worked with, with Michael Neal, was my third mentor. It was a really big mentorship. Um, I was really scared to make the investment. And I remember after you know, he, he shared with me, he said, Jared, after our connection, you'll, you, you, won't, you won't really leave that space. It'll be really hard for you to leave that space. You might try to, and you might think you need to, but it's going to be really hard for you to leave that space. And when he said that, it struck me and I really got it. I was like, yeah, it's going to be hard for me to leave it. And, you know, after we did it for a year, I finished that, that last mentorship in 2019. Um, after that, I realized, yeah, okay, I get, I get what he means. Like, I, I don't, I, it's like almost impossible for me to leave that space because as soon as I start noticing I'm up here, I stop what I'm doing. I stop what I'm doing. I get refocused, get back into my heart space, my, my gut space. Uh, and and I, I get that alignment there because it's too painful to leave that space. So what are some ways that you can, people can become more present in their life? That's great. I, um, well, I think the first thing is, is mindfulness, like meditation is great um, until you kind of create that enduring state within your experience. I think that's a great, um, the other tool that I think would, is really valuable is the, I do an ice bath with menthol, like an Epsom salt that gets me, my body activated and aware and that gets my blood circulating and moving. So I, I become more mindful of my senses. Uh, whatever makes you more mindful of your senses is usually helpful. Whatever brings you back to the present. Sometimes I'll put in the mornings, if I feel like I need it, I'll put a, um, you know, some cream here on my chest. That's like a menthol, um, cardamom cream and so like that goes right up into my nose and that keeps me very present whatever activates the senses keeps us very uh keeps us very present so i think whatever you can do to activate your senses is really so um having a coach or a community or a mentor who can keep you present and help you to see the ridiculousness of your thoughts at times because that's what we do like our thinking our brain is designed to keep us safe and there's this fallacy that I see where we have logical thinking and true thinking and logical thinking can seem true. Like for instance, I was coaching one of my clients the other day on relationship and she said, I went out the door and my husband didn't say goodbye to me. And I'm really questioning like whether he loves me or not. And her logic was my husband gives me a kiss every day when I leave. He didn't do it then, so therefore something must be wrong, or maybe something's wrong in the relationship. Makes perfect logical sense, and I said, but it wasn't true at all. And then I said, well, how about you just go back to him and you ask him what that was really about? And she's like, that's a little bit scary because I don't want to be confrontational. I said, well, just do it as a thought experiment for curiosity. She said, okay, I'll do it as a so she went back to him and he said, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I, I seriously was just really busy. and I was a little, little bit stressed out. So understanding that when we have people in our life, coaches, mentors, a community who can remind us of our logical thinking not always being true, that's really helpful because we, we create so many stories to keep ourselves safe, to, to take care of the things that we really care about. I really care about this relationship. So I want to make sure it's okay. And then we can 
have logical thoughts and then believe that logical thinking. And then that gives us the emotional experience of it being true. When we believe the logical thinking, it may be true sometimes, a lot of times it's not. So it's having the right people in your life, the right support systems around them. So people know that like what's true and what isn't true and just being okay with that. Hey, that's, that's logical, but that's not true. And developing the trust in those relationships to be able to have those conversations. Hey, I'm feeling a little bit insecure right now. I'm not really sure why. Um, I have these thoughts. I didn't even realize that I had these thoughts. Um, can I bring these to you? Sure, yeah, what do you got? And then just unpack them. And eventually through that process, we get more present with our thinking and we can kind of catch illogical fallacies real quickly. Because it's, it's the belief in our thinking that creates our emotional experience of life. It's not anything else out there in the outside world. <laughs> So how can our beliefs limit our success? Oh, yeah. Good question. Beliefs limiting the success. I'll, I'll, I'll go into how a belief system is created and how it's destroyed. Because I think a lot of the coaching industry focuses just on how it's destroyed. Um, but I think it's more powerful to speak about how a belief system is. We destroy a belief system by questioning it. Hey, this is my thinking. And then we inquire into it and we show that the thinking is logical but isn't true that's how we destroy a belief system how we create a belief system though is we act out there in the external world and we create it for ourselves and that's the nature of transformation and development so for instance let's say i have a belief that i can't make i don't know uh you know ten thousand dollars a month in my coaching work that was a big one for me at one point in my life once i created ten thousand dollars a month in my coaching work it was like oh this is possible this is easy um i i did it now i don't ever doubt that and then it was the same for the $20,000 mark and so on and so forth. And then, it, and then I had belief systems around relationship. Oh, I don't believe that I have the capacity and the capability to be with a really loving, intimate partner. And once I created that, it was like, oh, I do have that and that's okay. And I, I made it happen. And then it was like, oh, okay. So we, our belief systems are a product of our experience of the world and the experiences we still have yet to have. And yeah. I think life is always trying to show us that we can have whatever we want. It's always on offer. If you want blue ice cream, if you want vanilla ice cream, if you want strawberry ice cream, you can have whatever one you want. You just gotta be willing to show up and, and go to the table and ask for what you want. Hey, I like vanilla ice cream. Hey, I like strawberry. But a lot of times human beings, we have these thoughts and then we believe that thought. But our thinking, our very thinking about life has everything to do with what we've experienced up to that point. So belief systems, if I don't, if I don't think I can create $10,000 a month or $20,000 or $30,000 a month in my coaching business, well, yeah, that would be hard. And that would be your belief system if you've never done that before. And it's up to us to get the right skill sets, do the right inner work, get the right people in our back corner, get the right support systems to get to that point. So then we do believe that in the sense of like, we create it for ourselves. And once we create it for ourselves, then that's your new belief system in, internally within you. And then the world has to reflect that back to you. And it's, it's less hard. So there's always these plateaus in income, in relationship, in you know, whatever it may be. And once you hit that new plateau, you break through that plateau, great, you're on the other side of it. Uh, what, how do you, like, and then that's the, that's the new belief system. Like, I don't question whether I can create $25,000, a month in my business anymore because I've done it. And I've done it so many times where I'm just like, I just don't question it. It's not hard. And so like, th that's how belief systems work. It's 
we create them by how we act in the world and what we create out there in the world. And we destroy them by proving ourselves that we can do it. Like it's the action is what creates it. Does, does that make sense? I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you're, as you're talking about it, it resonates a lot with be more aware of my own limiting beliefs. You know, mm -hmm. I think that I worked, I worked through a lot of that the last several years and identifying those. And then once I was able to, like you said, overcome them and have new experiences and, and realize that, wow, like I, I used to see the world this way. Mm. Now I see a, a new perspective and you kind of think like, I see it, this perspective, how many other perspectives are out there that I haven't yet, I've yet to see. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, you, you're kind of aware of the growth, the level of growth that's out there that you haven't accessed yet. But yeah, I mean, just simple things like that, getting, breaking through those limits and, and starting to activate some things and take some massive action. Boy, I tell you, it, it completely transformed my life and, uh, and, and transformed, I would say affected absolutely every other belief I had. Right. You know, yeah. it just trickles through and you're like, wow. Okay. So now I have to rebuild everything because I see the world completely differently. Right, right. In in the in the psychology field, we call those uh, coax systems. C O E X. Um, I can't remember that. It's like basically it's it's connective emotional anchors within our mind. So when you like, it's a cobweb. So when you pull out one of those emotional anchors, suddenly the whole cobweb like gets yeah pulled out. So what's the, your truth that has gotten you this far in your <laughs> Looking back on it, if I had to create one underlying thread uh, in this moment, because <laughs> that's what it would be, because um, I couldn't point to one like that I always had, but I think for anyone listening, it's your inherent nature to expand and grow. So just trust to follow your nature. That's your nature. If you look at the universe, microscopic, macroscopic, everything wants to grow. Everything that's, that is built into who we are. Look at us as a species. We don't need to go to space. We don't need to go to the moon. We don't need to go to Mars, but that's what we're doing. Exploration and curiosity is what drives human beings. It's, I don't think it's just survival. I think explore, because look at all the human beings who are willing to risk their survival for the novel. And like that is such a powerful force to tap into. So I would say that trust your innate capacity and desire to want to explore and want to expand because I think that's the driving force. I think Darwin got it wrong. I don't think it wasn't. I don't think it was survival of the fittest. I think it was like those who wanted to explore and find the novel. Like that's because that's what he was. Like if you look at his story, he was like on a ship. Uh, traveled all around the world and wasn't you know like like he did novel things like the people who do really cool stuff in this world they trust some sense of novelty within themselves and they follow that and pursue that relentlessly and it's i mean you hear about it it's like oh the muse took me over and i just international you know the, the wright brothers they looked at a bicycle and thought could we put this thing in the air that that would be a cool novel experience so like what, and if you look at business, that's what drives innovation. Innovation drives all of business. And so I would, I would say, trust your inherent desire to want to explore.
and be novel and allow that to drive you. It may be risky and people may say that you're crazy, but if you follow that and continue to follow that passion and put your heart in it and learn the skill sets that you need to learn and get the right people around you, that's trust. It really is trustworthy. Like we don't need, we never need to go to the moon. We never needed to go to Mars. We did as a species, you know, we don't need to travel across the side of the world or go to other countries, but we do. We never needed to invent the internet, but we did like that's the very crux of life is to grow and expand. And so wherever you see that you need to grow and expand next, know that it's one, it's safe to do so. And two, that that's your very nature. And it's going to be more painful to deny your nature as opposed to fall in line with your nature. And so even if it's scary, if your nature is telling you to expand and grow, that's exactly where you need to go. So what are some of your success stories of some, a few of your clients? I've had success stories in all different lines of development. So when I look at a human being or even an organization, I look at things from this perspective. Where's their communicational development, their leadership development, relational development, all those, every human being has certain, and organizations have certain lines of development. Um, one of the women that I was coaching, I remember she's from Australia. Uh, she was having some relational challenges and relational issues. Um, she married a, what they would say is a narcissistic person. I, I don't really believe in the term anymore. I just think people just don't know what they need. And so they manipulate others to try to get what they need. And they think that that's what they have to do in order to get their needs met. Um, I don't believe that that's enduring though. She was married to a narcissist and we, we worked on her relational development and her communicational skills. And she was actually able to turn not only the relationship around, she's not with the person anymore, but she was able to end on peaceful terms. She got everything settled. She was able to sell her business and then move on to starting up her next coaching business, which was really exciting for her. Uh, so that was a pretty cool story that I, I had that two years ago. That was probably like in terms of one-on-one -on -one work, that was really great. One of my other clients, uh, Rick, so Rick started up two uh, companies over the last gosh three decades, uh, one in the automotive industry and one in the finance industry as well too. I think he's selling NFTs now. Uh, we finished our work over a year and a half ago, but he came to me and he said, I've had all the success that I wanted externally, but I just want to be at peace. And I asked him, I said, what if you could have a Porsche and, and uh, what if you could have a Porsche and, and have enlightenment? That was a big thing that my, that my, my mentor used to say to his clients. And I kind of stole it from him because I think a lot of human beings think it has to be one or the other. Oh, I can be wealthy, but I have to be miserable and I don't want to be miserable. So I'm not going to even bother trying. And then other people, they're like spiritual and they're this great state and they're enlightened or whatever. And they see the world for it is, they see the matrix, all that other stuff but they're not actually successful. You can have both. In fact, it's our nature to have both. It's our nature, I think, to have a great sense of possibility, a great energy, while at the same time, um, you know, have what we want materialistically. The two are not uh, separate from each other. So with him, he really got to a space where he recognized, well, I can be at peace. I can enjoy my life. I can enjoy my work. Uh, but at the same time, I can still create the wealth and do what I love to do. The guy lives on a 60 foot yacht and had 10 kids. <laughs> you know, you wow. never thought that he could have peace and be successful financially and do both, but we really can. That's on offer for every person's life. We just have to have the right support systems and, and the right people behind us. In terms of a company, 
the best success I've had with a company was EPAC called Digital Flexible Packaging. So they're innovating uh, the packaging industry, moving everything away from hard pressed printers to all digital, which was a big risk. Uh, I think they bought like 10 printers from HP. I worked with them for about three years with one of their main one of their main guys who was also an investor at the time. They started off with one plant here in Boulder, Colorado. So one plant, and it was their goal to generate 10 million uh, a month in partial orders. They did that, and now they have five plant locations, and it's been three three years. Uh, so I started work with them back in 2018, 2021, now late 2021, I started early 2018. And that was really cool to see their company culture grow. It was really great being a part of that. They went from a stressed out, anxious startup, just trying to create, you know, get sales in the door. We were successful in the sales and with getting sales in the door, they did really great. But then their production line and their manufacturing line wasn't up to speed with their sales. And so if you notice when that happens within a company, the salespeople get worried, hey, I don't know if we can deliver on what you want to offer. And that causes a lot of anxiety, which can hurt sales. And then it was hurting the trust with the customers. They're doing a great job. They have all their systems worked out. And because of that, they've been able to expand into five other locations. I think I'm pretty sure they're in Portland. I think they're in a space in California. And I think their fifth location is going somewhere in Florida. So I think that was the best success story I've ever had. I was a I was a big part of that, but I was also behind the scenes as well, too. I could see what was going on in the company culture. I could see all the balances and I just positioned myself uh, and said what was needed to be said and the hard things. Hey, look, you're hurting customer trust. If you're bringing all, you know, if you're not delivering and I know you guys are a startup, but you got to deliver, it's going to hurt you in the long run. Yeah. And so they made that transition and that switch. So it's been awesome to see the success that they had. That was probably the most fulfilling, successful thing I had at the corporate level because they were startup and went from startup all the way to they'll probably be IPO here pretty shortly. If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? Oh, yeah, I love that. It's a great question. Thanks. I would say just be bold and be willing. <laughs> be bold and be willing. Be willing to take those next steps of expansion and growth when life offers them to you and be bold. That is expansion in a nutshell. That's who we're meant to be. We're meant to expand. We're meant to grow. So if you can be bold and say yes to the big opportunities that life gives you, uh, and if you can be willing to step into that, you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to trust that you have the right skill sets, you have the right, get the right people, get the right support systems in place, and you'll, you'll do some pretty cool, amazing things with your life. So yeah, be bold and be willing. So people that are listening that might want to work with you, what are some of the ways that uh, you work with people right now? So I work with people in two ways. In a one-on-one -on -one capacity, uh, I do executive coaching. Executive coaching is working on the relationships and the tasks. So how do you manage all the relationships that you have? How do you also manage all the tasks? and finding the balance between the two without pulling your hair out and you know, dying of cancer at the age of 55. Uh, so like that, that's definitely one aspect. But the one-on-one, -on -one, the executive coaching, sometimes people will hire me for the business side of things. It always gets into the personal. It always gets into relationship. We experience stress and anxiety as human beings when we don't have the skill sets and the support systems that we need to thrive. That's literally our emotional system saying, hey, I don't have the skill set for this and I don't have a support system. 
once we know the skill sets and the support systems that we need, it's, it's, it's not an issue. It's, it, it's not a challenge because we have that. When I work with individuals one-on-one, -on -one, I really get clear about what skill sets are they lacking. And I focus on that, identify those skill sets and get those into place. And then the second aspect of it is just looking at the environment. What support do they need in their environment so they feel like they can move forward? Because sometimes people have the skill sets, but they don't have the right support. Once you get the skill sets, once you get the right support, life just naturally moves forward. We naturally create what we like creating and being successful, it's not hard. It's just knowing what you need. That's half the battle. And then actually letting people help you in the way that you need to be helped. So whenever I work one-on-one, -on -one, it always goes into the personal. There's always, you know, I, I had one client I'll never forget. He hired me to help him with the stress of the business. And it was really about his relationship with his wife. And, you know, that, that whole thing was really challenging him and that was filtering into his business. So we worked on his communicational skills. He was like, we know we love each other, but we're fighting all the time. And I was like, cool. So you have communication problems because you can love a person, but if you don't know how to communicate that love and that person doesn't know how to interpret, it, interpret your communication the right way, then it's going to create tension in the relationship. So it always goes into the personal. And then I also train coaches full-time. I've been training coaches for the last two years. I've ran 13 group programs up to this point and just training coaches on starting up their businesses successfully online and offline. So I want to mention your website, transformationalcoaching.co mm -hmm. and yeah. also your YouTube channel, Transformational Coaching, which is a decent sized YouTube channel. Thank you. Yeah, we got about 24,000 other coaches there. It's transformationalcoaching.co. We got some great free resources there. We also got some classes and we're always running programs, teaching coaches and surrounding them with an environment where they're surrounded by successful people who are get who are building that inner resilience within themselves and, and learning to enjoy uh, that spaciousness that we have, but at the same time, be successful out there in the external world. I, I think the best way that my mentor put it is you can have a Porsche and you can have enlightenment at the same time. And, and you really can. Uh, it may take time. It takes the right skill set and the right support systems, but that's our natural state. That's where every human being is headed towards always, whether they realize it or not. Jared, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and all the gold nuggets that you gave today. It's been amazing. Oh, thanks for having me on, Amy. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been great. Yeah. And if you want more information about A Call to Thrive, you can go to acalltothrive.com. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next week.